Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's show, Calendar Management Part 1, Say No. Here we go. I don't know about you, Mark, but I have never, never left the office and looked back and said, hmm, I got everything done today. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> yeah. I think I think sometimes I think it when I'm going on vacation, but it's just the stuff I had to get done before I go on vacation. Yeah. And you prioritized and got the most important things done. But we'll, we'll come back to that. So no one ever gets everything done, right? Right. But a lot of people worry about that. A lot of people want to do that. A lot of people need to do that. That's a dilemma for a lot of folks. Well, it's really not a dilemma. The, the the need that people have to get everything done, I mean, well, look, first of all, we know it's hard to get everything done every day. And the reason we know it's hard is we never get everything done every day. And here here's the problem with the dilemma that people have. When any of us think about it for any time at all, you realize You don't know anyone who does get everything done ever. If you have this feeling, I need to be perfect, and you look around and you say, no one's perfect. I mean, what kind of, what kind of cognitive dissonance do you need to set up in order to realize no one else in the world is perfect, ever been perfect, but I need to be perfect? I think we're beating ourselves up, right? I mean, you have to wonder, is there some way to get everything done? If you do a little bit of thinking about that, 10 or 15 minutes about it is all it takes, if that, the question becomes, okay, I, I know now I'm never going to get everything done. I've never gone home from work as a professional with every single thing done. So therefore, if it's not possible, what is the best bait way to approach all that work in light of the fact that I'm not going to get it all done? And I know that thinking I'm going to get it all done is literally impossible, right? And so look, today's cast is a very simple, small part. We've touched on this before, but we wanted to expand upon it a little bit. A simple start in the right direction regarding calendar management and how to think about calendars and so on. The first thing we want to share is you literally cannot get everything done, period. This is an important lesson, folks. And if you don't get the first lesson, and I know some of you would say, well, I really want you to tell me right away what to do, but it is no, there is no sense at all following our guidance without understanding that you can't get everything done ever, period. Our second point is the important learning, not the action, but the learning, which is effective executives and managers and professionals of all type know the answer is choosing what to do. And then by definition, you're choosing what not to do on a given day or at a given time. And then our specific recommendation is a simple way to start is to protect your calendar. And you think no at first to every single request for your time. And, and we're only focusing today on meeting requests because that that is how most people think about their calendars. It's a wrong way to think about calendars, but we're going to meet people where they live. We're going to recommend people never accept blindly, which is to say you don't just say yes to calendar requests uh, if you don't know what it is and you don't know what the impact is. And then, of course, for those of us who have admins, you've got to instruct your admin to do to do so as well. A really simple concept, but if you get it and you change your thinking from, I can't get everything done and so therefore I have to be careful choosing what I want to do and then leaving stuff undone, 
you actually have a chance at getting the right stuff done and therefore being effective. I don't know what you think, but to me, this cast has got to rank up there in terms of importance. This is an important thing for folks to get, and too many managers and executives don't get it. I would even argue that this is a Hall of Fame recommendation that almost no one will agree with or, or, or that no one will think, oh, that this is, this is Hall of Fame, right? I'm not saying they won't agree with the idea. I think people won't, will say, I, I can't believe you think that this is a Hall of Fame idea. Saying no, paring down your priorities to something that's achievable is one of the top 10 most important lessons in our professional lives. No question. Doing more is almost never the answer, okay? Choosing well of the many, many things we have to do is the answer. And by definition, that means saying no. Simple. Yeah. I think this is one of those things that you only get if you have the opportunity, and it's a wonderful opportunity, to observe thousands of managers working, right? That's when you see it. If you just put it in the context of your own experience, you could miss it. But when you see it, the failure to acknowledge this across thousands of managers, you really start to see the power in this recommendation. Now, I think there's something else that we've said. Well, uh, we can uh, we can talk for an hour about this before we get to the cast. Let's get to the let's get to the details, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah we could. So let's address the the thing that I suspect a lot of folks are having issue with: the idea that you can't get everything done. Yeah, you can't. For effective executive, effective professionals, this is the most important experiential learning for calendar priority time management. You'll never get it all done. Never. Okay. Of course, we're, we're speaking, as we often do, as we almost always do, we talk to the 80% of the folks out there, right? There's, there's always folks that are on either extreme of the, the bell curve. So there are some folks, right, clearly, that actually can get everything done. And we're just speaking to the masses here, right? No. <laughs> right? I love it when you <laughs> pretend not to know. <laughs> Good straight man. Look, there are, I guess, entry-level positions where your job requires you to manipulate equipment that is only available. And, and they say, do three things and you do those three things and you need to go home. You know, for one, one millionth of a percent of the workforce, I suppose hypothetically it's possible, but, but basically what we're saying is you can't, you cannot folks, if you're a professional, if, if you're listening, if you're a manager tools or even a career tools listener, normally we're saying you cannot ever get everything done. Not you, not anyone else, no one, never, ever, ever, ever. And I think, you know, part, part of our problem in saying stuff like this is that people think we're being a little bit bombastic. Um, Lord knows they're thinking of me, but again, all you have to do is examine your, your experience about has anyone ever done it? And the answer is when, when people say, oh, well, I see that guy going home or I see her appearing at peace when she goes home. That's not because everything's done. That's, that's different. That's an emotional state. That's a professional mental state about how they feel about what's not done. Right. And we're not saying it's really hard. It's not something you haven't yet learned. It's not something that you will get to at some point. This is important. This lesson has not already been overcome by people with more experience than you if you're listening, right? There are lots of things you can learn about management, but nothing you learn about management will ever allow you to get all the things you could possibly do done. 
Okay. And, and I think the problem, and, and look, I know I felt this way too. And, and we're not saying we've always known this and you don't, and we're holding over your head. We're not. We're saying we're right there with you. A lot of us, including us, mistakenly thought, or some of you still think, you think of time management as something like delegation or meeting management or contract negotiations or presentation skills, something to be mastered over time, no pun intended, a skill to finally figure out, to put in our workbox and our toolbox, right? And we call it time management, which is terribly poorly named, right? And we proceed to try to learn it, to attack it, to defeat it, to become its master, okay? And so since this is, you know, rule number one or cast number one, if you're sitting there waiting for us to give you the holy grail of time management, we're not going to unless you understand that time cannot be managed. Only our priorities can be managed. Time is unchangeable by you or by us or even by your CEO. Stop trying. And and by the way, that is the holy grail of priority management, that time cannot be managed, but priorities can be. And in fact, I want to share a story. I've, I've, um, I think I've shared this story once before, but it's for one of, for one of our favorite books. It's, it's on our book list on the website at Manager Tools. It's from a book called Growing a Business by Paul Hawken. Paul, a number of years ago, was kind enough to sign my book for me. It's one of the most marked up books I have on my shelf. And Hawken is a pretty darn smart guy, and he was growing a business. And I'm just going to read one paragraph out of this book. And it's, it goes like this. One autumn Saturday afternoon several years ago, I was working in my office while the rest of the world was enjoying Indian summer. I forgot the particular problem I was trying to solve. It was one of hundreds, and I was proceeding in my usual fashion, solve that problem once and for all. And by the way, he's doing this on a Saturday afternoon. For years, I had been the greyhound chasing the rabbit of permanent solutions. I knew that if I worked just a little harder, folks... A little longer, a little more creatively, I would finally catch that rabbit and have a perfectly running business at last. I would experience commercial nirvana and emerge from the dark night of the ledger book into the clear dawn of administrative beatitude. Monday morning would always be a pleasure. I was wrong. I had my nirvana all right, but it was the opposite of what I had been seeking. On that pretty afternoon, the actual truth finally struck me. I would always have problems. Okay? And then he goes on to talk about how important problems are at a business. And that's his way of talking about you're never going to get everything done. And this is particularly bad to be in on a Saturday, a Sunday away from your family or to be there at five or six or seven o'clock at night when you're not very effective anyway. Even if you're an investment banker, the decisions you're making are not as good at that time. Once you learn this lesson that I can't get everything done. And by the way, it's not really a lesson so much as it is a fact of life, like you have to breathe to stay alive. Once you get this, life gets much, much easier because you start making different choices that get you more results. So stop trying to get more done. More of what you're doing now is likely wrong because more of the wrong thinking is bad. The answer is not in more. (laughs) And look, right, haven't you learned this? I mean, you didn't know this when you were 22 or 25 or 27, did you? I didn't. Oh, no. Yeah. No, absolutely And, and youth makes and I, it harder. I, I'm a slow learner. It took me a while. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. 2.30 in the morning, you're sending me an email, and of course, the next night, I, I send one back to you. We make this mistake all the time, folks. We're not chiding you. We make this mistake, too. But the folks who are really good, the ones who look at peace when they go home at 6 o'clock or 6.30, and seem to do better in terms of balancing uh, the dynamic tension between work and family are the ones who have chosen to see it differently. And that makes them more effective at getting work done. 
Yeah, more effective. This is manager tools. We're all about effectiveness. But not only more effective, more peaceful. Yeah. Just enjoying life a little bit more. And there are folks in the just the midst of a crisis appear calm, collected, and are terribly effective. And part of it is because they've realized this principle. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So let's help folks out. Since we can't manage time and we can't make more time and we're not going to get everything done, what do we do? What's the answer to that? You said the answer lies elsewhere. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Where is the answer? Look, if, if you get away from time management and time management in my mind is shaving three minutes here and two minutes there and five minutes there, or, you know, stuffing more things into the day and giving yourself a three minute lunch rather than a 28 minute lunch. If you start thinking that way, you're just adding more to a limited bucket and the bucket is limited. You might think that your bucket is less limited than someone else's. And you may be right. If you work, you know, 16 hour days, your bucket is less limited than somebody who works eight hours a day, but your bucket still is limited. Right. But the, the key thing is that's managing time. Priority management, on the other hand, says I have a limited amount of time. I'm going to choose carefully what goes in there. Many of you have uh, heard of something called the big rocks exercise. I won't go into into it, but if you know what it is, then you know that this is essentially that lesson. Although the last step in big rock is to pour sand into the, in the box, which is not a good lesson for most people. But look, priority management boils down to choosing what to do and what not to do with the unchangeable resource, and that resource is time, and time is unchangeable by us, it, what, it is choosing what to do and what not to do with the unchangeable resource of time that we have. Look, we've worked with a lot of executives on their calendars, and, and even among the best of them, we've discovered as we work with them an important lesson for us in terms of how we teach it. If we try to tell you or some other executive, okay, let's choose the key priorities, right? We often get back about 10 to 20 things that are really, really, really important. And some, only some executives and managers immediately sense that this is not an effective way to think about their priorities because 20 is just too many to consider all as priorities. If you think you can get down a list of 20 and they're all priorities, folks, those aren't priorities. That's a list of things to do, no question. Maybe it's big projects, but by definition, priorities are generally no bigger than three. And you might be thinking that senior people above you have, maybe if you have three, then they have eight. Actually not true. What they do is they take their eight and they they shave them down to two and they delegate the other six, right? The lesson here is that starting by trying to determine what's most important routinely fails. Now, there may be other coaches that do this better than us. I don't know. And we do have some recommendations for how to choose best from worst or best from second best, right? But the other way of doing it is eliminating what clearly cannot be a priority and then not doing it frees up time that had been unknowingly lost to something that we had been calling priorities. So what we do is say, okay, what are you doing now? And actually we follow the executive around and we see three or four or five things that ought not to be done. And it's, you know, it's three or four or five hours a week. And that begins to add up. And you either choose to put that time into other more important things, or you think, wow, I'm, I'm going to get rid of even more. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to put that time in more important things. And then I'm going to look at my timeline again and determine what are the least priority things that I've got and get rid of those. And so you go through a period over the course of maybe a year of cutting out the bottom three or four things you're doing until you end up with the top four or five. And you start looking for a systemic way to free up time. And really what most of them come to pretty quickly is the activity 
that can best encapsulate or embodies or makes obvious the the concept of choosing priorities and then choosing by definition not priorities because choosing a is by definition not choosing b in all cases is saying no in an ongoing way on a regular basis to new requests for time which is everything all requests are new for time going forward from right now it's just saying no that is the the key activity that leads to more time for key priorities yeah, let's make it even simpler for folks. The way to do that is to protect your calendar. And we've talked several times, I'm sure, about effective executives' use of their calendar, right? They schedule their priorities. Your calendar is the way you manage your commitments. Again, there's only so much time. And if you're going to work on something, it's going to take time, and you reflect that in your calendar. And so if you want a simple way to manage this, is start protecting your calendar. Right. And the funny thing is, is that when we say that, a lot of people say, no, calendars are where I, it's a bucket where I keep track of the meetings I have to go to. And sometimes people say, well, that's not really what my calendar is. And then you look at your calendar and that's all that is on their calendar is meetings, requirements to be other places other than at their desk. And even if they describe their calendar in the right professional terms, but then we look at their calendar and it's nothing but meetings then we say, no, you're not using your calendar effectively. It's just the bucket where you capture meetings where you have to go. It's an electronic clock with a little ding that tells you, okay, you need to go to your next meeting. This is ineffective executive 101, right? And we've said this before on air many times. When we start working with an executive, we ask for two things. What's your calendar and what are your priorities? And in 80% of the cases, the calendar and the priorities that they tell us they have do not match up, okay? Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to say this right or not, because it just came to my head. So excuse me, folks, if I don't get this out terribly well. But I think ineffective executives, what they often do is they look at their calendar as a way of protecting themselves from the encroachment of others, i.e., I can only be in one meeting at once. Now, people break that rule all the time, but let's put that aside for a second, right? So the calendar becomes a defensive mechanism. On the other hand, the effective executives they look at the calendar as an offensive tool, right? Which is that instead of using it to protect me from others, I'm going to use it to schedule my priorities, to make sure the things that I need to get done, get done. And when folks make that shift, it's incredibly powerful. Yeah, I I would even say, I I would probably call it offensive and not offensive. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there you go. I said Although I people might be right. offended. Yeah. But, 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 but uh, let me say this. I think there are managers even worse. I think there are a lot of managers listening who think, well, it's not even terribly defensive because people can put stuff on my calendar that I don't really want to be at, or, you know, I don't feel like I get to defend my time very well. And the ones who have triple bookings, I, I, look, folks, if you're one of those managers that's triple booked, don't kid yourself. Stop it. It doesn't make you more important. It just makes you less efficient. Okay. The idea that you're triple booked you're not the president of the United States and the president of the United States is not triple booked. The only people I know that are triple booked are people who actually tell people they're triple booked. Oh, I have to be in three different places. Yeah. Okay. You know what? You're not him. It can't be done. Choose one. Right? So yeah, I I like your idea. And frankly, the people who say, well, I really can't protect my calendar because I have all these meetings to go to. First of all, yeah, you can, you can say no to meetings. And as we say at conferences, sometimes we didn't say this was risk-free manager tools. 
we do believe it's effective manager tools. But the other side is start seeing it as an offensive choice rather than a defensive choice. The calendar is not where you look where you have to find out where you have to go. It's where you look to find out what you want to do. Every single thing that you accept on your calendar is something you want to do. Don't complain if you're meeting out that you're not getting done what you want to get done. Just make a choice and change the way you see it. The busiest and most effective executives we know make a habit of saying no to many, many things on a regular basis. If you're a manager or even just a professional and you've ever been told no by a senior person and you couldn't figure out why, it may very well have been not because your idea or your, your, your need or the communication wasn't good, but simply rather that it wasn't good enough. That, that is to say, if it was going to take executive or managerial resources to accomplish what you wanted to do, the question is not, is this a good idea, but rather, is it better in terms of costs in time and effort as opposed to other ideas we or I am presently working on. Because at a lower level, you so rarely know, usually, what is being worked on at higher levels. When you get declined, your idea, when your idea is told no, or you know, the executive says, no, I'm sorry, I don't have time for that, it kind of makes you scratch your head. But it's important to understand, it's not a question in their mind of best versus worst. It's a question of best versus second best. And in fact, I read somewhere that that's the definite of genius. It's easy to know best from worst. The key to life is knowing best from second best. And you may have the second best idea, but if the executive you're asking for time from is working on the best idea, why would he stop working on the best idea for the second best idea? If time is limited, and that's important, if you heard the question, why would I stop working on best if second best came up? You said, well, just work later and, and do both because you want to be working on number one and number two. No, this executive realizes that if I start saying yes to anything that's good, suddenly my time is unlimited because there are all kinds of good ideas and I can't get everything done. And then it's just a mash of, well, whatever's in the top 10 is good enough. No, executives say, I want the best possible idea. If I limit my time, I then am naturally inclined to only work on the best ideas one at a time. Yeah. And when the way you do that is you start protecting your calendar. Exactly. We've got to cut down on the number of projects we're engaged in or the number of efforts we're focusing on. Because otherwise, all we're doing is adding to a list, that list of things are, that are not going to get done. Now, we're not saying that the new thing you're thinking about won't get done. Not at all. We're saying that if you're already fully busy, when you add one more thing, something that you previously did believe deserve your time is now not going to get done, right? You're trading off this new thing for something else that you before decided had to get done. Yeah. And you're probably doing that. You're making that choice unconsciously. Yeah, exactly. You're making that choice unconsciously. And and I would even argue there's a little bit for many executives and managers, there's a little bit of the executive attention deficit disorder going on here where squirrel happens, right? And it's like the dog in, in the movie Up where um, he sees a squirrel, the dog is able to, to talk and all of a sudden he sees a squirrel and yells squirrel because he's attracted by the new shiny thing, the new idea. That's different. That's new. Maybe that'll make me look good rather than just doing what I'm already doing better. Right. And the moment you say squirrel and you start focusing on something by definition that's not in your priority bucket, you say to yourself, ooh, yeah, you don't say to yourself, but in fact, you should wait. This means something else that I used to think of was important is not getting done. Do I do the right comparison and make sure that this one deserves to be in my bucket and that one doesn't? Yes, yeah, so we should change the word. We should change the world from squirrel to 
No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a very good point. No, no, no. And so we're recommending you don't need to think about time anymore. You need to think about priorities. And we think a small, important step is to say no at first to meeting requests rather than getting a meeting request in and just assuming yes because somebody else asked you. And so therefore, you want to be collaborative. You say yes. And we're saying no. The first thing, the first thought you should have is no, I don't want to go and I'm going to say no. From now on, assume that you can say no. Rather than starting with yes and dread, rather than starting with yes and saying another afternoon gone, rather than starting with yes and saying, when am I going to get everything done? These meetings are so ineffective. Start with no and assess the risk of whomever you'll be telling no to. Now, look, yes, a no to your boss is more likely an unsustainable risk than a no to a direct or a peer. Okay, so when it comes to your boss, start with no, pinch yourself, and then say yes when it comes to your boss. But we're recommending you start with no, okay? Look, note what we're saying here. You say no to your boss's request initially. Say no. Change your decision after a second if you have to, but this act of saying no and then acquiescing afterwards is part of training yourself to protect your calendar. But I, I want to go further here on bosses, okay? Suppose you, as a manager, had a direct who was a manager, and she was doing a one-on-one, -on -one, and you wondered if they were free. Would you immediately get angry and overrule them without knowing anything more other than they aren't free? when they said no to a request for your, for their time, go further. E even if your direct was just busy, but he wasn't necessarily, she wasn't necessarily in a one-on-one, -on -one, would you immediately be intolerant of your direct saying, I'm busy then, but how about this other time? Of course not, right? Right. If every single manager, every CEO, EVP, SVP, director, senior manager that we've ever asked at a conference, whether their directs were around it or not, Hey, if your directs are in a one-on-one -on -one, or if they're in a meeting, are you okay if you ask for them? Are you okay with them if, if they're scheduling, if they're doing something important, they're saying, no, I'd prefer to do it at a different time. Are you okay with it? We've never had anyone say, no, I'm not okay with it. Right. Now, look, we go a step further and say, on the other hand, suppose your direct says no, but then you have to tell them, well, look, actually, it's not me. It's my boss that wants us. Then they expect the, the direct to roll over. But what directs don't realize is directs aren't willing to say no initially and have the boss say, oh, okay. Directs just say, oh, if my boss wants my time, it's okay. And bosses want to tell them, no, it's okay to say no the first time, but because I'm your boss, I reserve the right to overrule you. Now, your peers can't do that, but your boss can. The overruling happens after you've said no once. It's wrong, it's ineffective to say yes all the time to your boss because your boss probably doesn't know what your priorities are. And if you're working on a priority A thing and he's wanting to meet you on a meet to you, meet with you on a priority C thing, it's better for you to say no. Now, admittedly, your boss's calendar is tight, your calendar is tight, and so it may be that your his priority C thing needs to take priority over your priority A thing. And the way you find that out is you start by saying no and make your boss overrule you. Right. And if you're a manager, then what you say is you ask your directs for time. And if they say no, and it's really that important for you, you overrule them. But you honor them when you can. It's funny to me. I, I could write a whole book about the connection between how people feel about their directs and their boss 
versus how they, they think their boss feels about them. It's really very interesting. And frankly, we believe this lesson is so important that it is actually worth the small risk that you're going to create of ten- with tension and, uh, uh, with your boss. We believe it. You Look, you're already in tension with your boss. You are to some degree, maybe a very, very small amount in the same way that when you look down your list of directs, every single one of them is not perfect. There's some tension there in various areas, but it's worth it. Yeah. And if you can learn to say no, at least initially, right, to your boss, then why not say no to your peers and directs, right? If what you're being asked to spend time on is not one of your key priorities, then you just say no. Yeah. Now, if you're a manager, managing your directs is your primary responsibility. If there are five of them, making them more effective is more important than you alone being more effective. So the decision to be made in that case is, do I agree that what I'm being asked to spend my time on is the best use of their and my time? If it is, then you acquiesce to their request. If it's not, you say no. Look, I'll never forget the time one of my bosses asked me after a meeting where I was on a particularly important project. And he knew I was behind. And I said, you know, okay, I'm behind. Long, long-winded behind, right? Just like everybody else does. And the boss said after this meeting uh, that we had been in that was not on my key project. So why are we spending time here when you ought to be spending time there? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, ouch. This guy's good. Ouch. That's why he's my boss. Ouch. But let, let me take it a step further, though, now. I, we, we've coached managers with this advice. Some managers said, well, I want to then make my calendar invisible to people because I don't want them knowing what I'm saying no to them for. Oh, yeah, I don't want to I don't want to tell people what I think is important. There might be more risk there. Yeah. Choosing to say no is in no way the equivalent of keeping others from seeing what it is you're working on. You might think it's a way to preclude having to make what we call a visible decision. And in fact, it may be true. It's, it's more visible, the decision you're making, if they know what you're choosing to say no for. But if you think as a manager, avoiding visible decisions is a way to get ahead, you are terribly confused about your role as a manager's leader and really even as a professional. I like to say the best example of a professional's visible decision or decisions is a bridge that has stood the test of time right? Don't try to hide the visibility of your decisions. In fact, the more visible you feel your decisions are, the more likely you'll come up with better decisions. So it's okay that other people see your calendar and it's okay to say, and you, you asked for something B level and I'm working on something A level. So I'm going to say no. Yeah. And by the way, you don't have to, you don't have to ask yourself, what's the most important thing for the company. If one of your peers asks for time, You don't have to say, well, maybe he's asking for something that's more valuable for the company. No, your priorities ought to align with the company's. If what you're working on, you believe is more important, you just say no. Now, you may get overruled, but being overruled is not the end of the world. If everybody's being inefficient out of fear of being overruled, gosh, let's change that. Right. We need to say this, although it's ought to be obvious, but we're going to say it anyways. Effective managers and executives never agree to a meeting without knowing how it fits into their priorities and what work is to be done beforehand. There's too many folks out there that just blindly accept meeting requests, and they have no idea what the meeting's about or how it fits into their priorities, and you got to stop it. Yeah, you've got to stop. And so, so look, um, uh, well, obviously, if a senior person says they want your time, you, you say yes blindly. But generally speaking, the idea that anybody can put things on your calendar, even your directs, folks, 
you don't need to be so collaborative with your directs that they can all put things on your calendar. Don't accept blindly. Don't allow people to do that. They may put a request on your calendar and then you go through and you say to yourself, okay, here are my meeting requests for today. Do I want to do that? Look at that day. Look at that time. Do I want to do that then? Or do I want to suggest an alternate time? Yes, we agree. There are times when eight of the people have agreed to the time, the meeting time. And so in that case, you might have to say yes, and then that's fine. But if you start by saying no and then get overruled by the group or by the project manager, that's a fine way to do it. The, the more often you say no in the beginning, the better your thinking is going to be. Now, this is going to lead to to part two, which we've already talked about in a previous cast, but we're going to reprise at some point, which is, okay, to keep them from taking that time, make sure your time is scheduled with your priorities and get your priorities on your calendar so that you don't ever have to wonder whether or not they're pinching your priority time. Because if it's free on your calendar, it must not be one of your priorities because your priorities are already on your calendar, right? That's the problem with people's calendars is that the two problems is they only have meetings on them and all the blank space is filled up with email. And meetings and email are neither necessarily going to be one's priorities. And it's because priorities aren't in there first. The big rocks aren't in there first that the sand fills up the box. Yep. Hey, look, at if you've got an admin, you need your admin to do this as well, right? That's another thing that should go without saying. Yeah, don't don't allow him or her to accept any any request unless it's from a very senior person without first saying no at least mentally and perhaps electronically as well. Instruct them to ask, "How does this fit into my hour priorities?" And look at this, that's hard for your admin to answer unless you followed our admin protocol. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it means your admin has to know what you're working on. Exactly, right. As a general rule, if they can't immediately figure out how an effective admin says no, and then ask for more information to help you or, or them to make a decision, right? So if they can't figure out how something fits in, they say no and ask for more information. And the problem is most admins do the opposite. They just think, oh, somebody else asked for time for my boss, so I'm going to say yes because, right? Now, if it's your best friend, right? If it's your peer that you're inextricably linked at the hip to, fine. That's a good reason to say yes. But generally speaking, we've got to train our admins to say no. There you go. And that's it. Look, it seems like a small thing. We talked about some big ideas, but saying no initially, learning to have the mental toughness and clarity to say no initially, and then figure out a way to support the no rather than blindly accepting or just saying yes all the time and then decrying the fact that your calendar is free is the start is the first step on the journey to become an executive in terms of how you manage one how, how one manages one's time you can't get everything done effective executives know the answer is then choosing what to do and what not to do and leaving some things undone and accepting the risk that some things are not going to get done but recognizing the risk of doing the things that are less important is not as hurtful to the organization as the value of doing the right things is right and the simple way to start is to protect your calendar getting more done isn't the answer getting more done actually may be worse if you're on the wrong road going faster won't help right more isn't the answer this question really is what's the best right most effective thing to do if we're busy, that means asking, what can I not do? And that means saying no to more time requests. Executives ask, what's the most important thing I could be doing? And what can I stop doing to make more time for the right stuff? As a friend of mine once said, saying no is a way to start stopping. <laughs> there you go. All right, my friend. Thanks. Thanks, partner. 
All right, we'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it. Hope you enjoyed it and uh, try practicing some of this stuff. You might find it actually works. And if you haven't heard the news, we're going to be in Boston on the 27th of July. We still have a couple slots left. So if you're interested in joining us, please check it out on the website, www.managertools.com. We hope to see you there. All right, folks, we'll see you next week. So long. <laughs>